Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to J&J Radio. I'm Jonathan Harper, along with my co-host, my co-pilot, Jason Givens. And we are fully entrenched in the 2021, I'm sorry, the 2020, yeah, 2021 season. And we've had a big matchup that recently went down between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Philadelphia 76ers. And at the time, both teams at the top of the West. Uh, the Lakers lost on a last-second buzzer beater. Now, Jason, I know you're a big Laker fan. What were your thoughts uh, coming out of that game? So the Lakers, uh, you never want to take uh, you know a regular season loss too seriously, especially when you're the, the reigning champions. And I think that it was a good if, – if this can be true, a good game for Philly to win, a good win for them. They hadn't beat a good team, a really good team this season. And mm-hmm. uh, just a everyday – you know, no one cares about a loss in January for the Lakers. The Lakers right. got down 15 points in the first quarter and lost the game by one in the fourth quarter where LeBron James and Anthony Davis missed four consecutive free throws. So I think that they're telling themselves, outside of that stretch where we got cold in the first quarter, we really won the rest of the game. And if we would have made a one free throw, we would have won the game. And I think Philly's telling themselves, we're as good as the Lakers. We can compete with them. Yeah, they stormed, like you said, the Lakers stormed all the way back. Uh, Anthony Davis got kind of banged up in that game. He actually missed the next game against the Pistons. But, yeah, I think it was a good win for the uh, for the 76ers because, obviously, the Lakers are the top team in the West, if not the top team in the overall NBA. So I think it was good to kind of pair yourself up against the top teams versus beating up on teams that are uh, not that good. And Philly's 10-1 and at home, and they were 13-6. Uh, and so I think they're playing really well with, you know, with Doc at the helm and Joel Embiid is fully committed to playing a lot better, playing at a high level. He's lost weight. He's more focused. You haven't seen any like, you know, funny, quirky press conferences so far. And I think he came out uh, like a man that, you know, wanted to show the world that I'm not messing around. He finished with 28 points and he was 11 for 13 from the free throw line, which is big for a big man. Uh, and he was eight for eight from the field. So I think he played pretty well overall. He was uh, only eight, plus eight in the plus minus category. But I think he kind of imposed his will and made it a point uh, for the 76ers to kind of feed him all the way through. He took a, a weird little tumble uh, after a hard foul from LeBron. But aside from that, like he seemed like he was unstoppable on the box against uh, Anthony Davis and Marcus Gasol. And in the past, Marcus Gasol has had a lot of success guarding him. So I think he took it upon himself to kind of take this game personally. So it was it was good to see him play well. It was. And I did like the back and forth between Embiid and Anthony Davis. Uh, speaking of that hard foul you mentioned, what did you think about the referees calling uh, flagrant one on LeBron, his first flagrant foul in five years? I definitely thought it was a flagrant one because he didn't make a basketball move. He didn't he didn't try to block the shot. He didn't try to steal the ball. He just basically pushed him beat out of the way. And when you push a man in the sky, like, you know, you fall, you can fall awkwardly. So I'm just happy that he's not hurt, uh, you know, really bad. He might have like a, pru- a bruised tailbone, but that could have been a, a pretty bad fall. And had it been, you know, some scrub, I think they might have gave him a, a flagrant too because I saw one guy from um, Minnesota got thrown out for, you know, hacking at, uh, Kelly Oubre's head the other night, and he got thrown out. But I think who fouls matters, but I definitely think it was a flagrant one. What do you think? Yeah. I, I, I Initially, I thought it was a weak call, but when you really think about how the NBA manages the rules and stuff, they they see the hard fall, and Embiid, you know, as athletic as he may be, he is not good at falling. He hits the ground a lot, and he did not brace himself at all. 
So it was a hard, loud fall. And I think that plays into the impact. I think LeBron's same actions, if Embiid doesn't crash to the ground like that, it's just a common foul. Um, and that kind of makes it weird for me. Is I don't think LeBron was trying to hurt him. But yeah, I don't think he was trying to hurt him. It's not part of, the, part of the ruling, right? Right. Flagrant two might, might take intent into account, right? Yeah, flagrant two is like when you're throwing somebody like out of the sky or you having, like, you're swiping at their head and it doesn't look, look like a basketball move at all. So I don't think it was malicious. But if somebody is trying to duck and you just basically shove them in the midsection, like how they fall is how they fall. Like that's uh, it's not really their fault. You know, they, they got <laughs> pushed out of the air. So I think it was it was a decent flagrant one. I didn't think it was a flagrant two. But Joel Embiid said uh, I think he was quoted as saying if it was somebody else, they probably would have got thrown out the game. I wouldn't go to that extent. No, yeah, he barely but, touched. Like he, I don't he, know about he barely. He didn't touch him forcefully. <laughs> like LeBron James is six eight, two hundred and however many pounds they're adding to him these days, but he mm-hmm. is a strong man. And so it didn't, it's not like he, he wound up and swung at him. He was just planted firmly in the key and stuck two hands out. And Embiid flying through the air, just, you know, it, you, you went up against a brick wall. Um, I don't think, because he didn't wind up or anything, he wasn't trying to hurt him. And Embiid threw an elbow, like not intentionally or not maliciously, about one or two plays later, and wound up hitting Anthony Davis square in the mouth with with his elbow, trying to flail around to get a foul call. And mm-hmm. he got a flagrant call against him. And I think that the refs did a good job in both cases, not overreacting. And the players did a good job, too, not turning it into something larger by rushing over and, and a lot of gesticulating and things like that. Right, right. A lot of uh, a lot of air and a lot of chest uh, puffing up. So, yeah, because like you said, no players actually really want to fight except for like a real select few. So uh, it was a hard fought game. I think both teams wanted to get the win. I think the Lakers thought they could kind of like, like you said, turn it on at the end, which they proved they could. They just kind of like Michael Jordan says, I never lost the game. I just ran out of time. I think the Lakers feel like they ran out of time. Um, yeah. So let, let's not too, let's not be re- remiss in uh, giving Tobias Harris's credit. The Lakers took the lead with less than 10 seconds to go. He had a big shot. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah he, he finished with 24 points. He was 10 for 16 from the field. He played really well. Uh, also, Ben Simmons had flashes of getting to the rim whenever he wanted to in the beginning of the halves. Like he did a really good job starting the third quarter. And I believe it was starting the first quarter. He, he was 8 for 15 from the field and finished with 17 points. So I think Ben Simmons played well as well. Uh, his plus minus wasn't the best, but I feel like he put uh, somewhat of his footprint and his stamp on the game considering he doesn't shoot a lot of threes. I think he was he was uh, definitely um, – uh, I guess you would say, what's the word? Uh, he was aggressive, and that's what uh, his coach wants him to be. He wants him to be aggressive and put pressure on the defense, and I think he did that. Same thing with Tobias Harris. He's a lot better. And mind you, when he was playing really well, it was for Doc Rivers in L.A. before he got traded to Philadelphia. And um, I think Doc has kind of got him playing in a similar fashion where he's not taking a lot of dribbles. Uh, he's not uh, being passive with the ball. He gets the ball, and he makes a reaction um, quickly. And I think that that's having a big impact on him this season. Um, you see Philadelphia playing much better, and he is having a better year um, than he had last year, which people thought kind of regressed a bit. Now, I said this yesterday while watching the game. This might be a finals preview. I, was that you that said no shot or somebody uh, in our group chat said no shot? I think this actually might have the, have the chance of being a finals preview if both teams stay healthy. 
uh, and, and you know, do a good job of winning games down the stretch because they're both going to be a tough out. Obviously, the Lakers are going to be there in the, in the end with LeBron and AD, but I think if, if Joel and B can still keep this type of level of energy and uh, stay healthy, because you know the best of the best ability is availability. So if oh, Joel can stay healthy, I think they're going to be a tough out. I still don't think so. I, I still think that because because Ben Simmons is so limited in his dynamics, like the ways that he can score, I think that that's a big shortcoming for them. And when they come up against a team like Brooklyn or Boston, who is going to come at you with a lot of scoring from different places. It's going to be hard for them to score enough points to beat those teams. I wouldn't be surprised if they made the finals, but I think that the odds of them going through, you know, to, to make it to the finals in the East, you got to go through two of the uh, four top teams, right? You got to go through uh, Brooklyn or Boston or the Bucks or uh, or Philly if you're at one of those other teams looking out. And I just don't know that Philly could go through two of those other uh, good teams. That's fair. That's fair. That's, that's fair enough. But again, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the 76ers can do to kind of maintain this pace. And like you said, Ben Simmons, uh, his ability to play and also Ben Simmons' ability to stay healthy is also going to uh, be a key for their success. But let's switch, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, you know, we're still in the middle of a nationwide pandemic. I see that Greg Popovich recently got uh, the COVID-19 vaccine and he's urging other people uh, to do the same to try to get us out of this uh, madness that we've been entrenched in for a year. Now, do you think somebody like uh, Coach Popovich getting the vaccine will matter? And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because he is in that 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 threshold of the age range, so that's why he's available to get it at this point. So, what are, what's your thoughts on that, Jay? Yeah. So we talked about uh, NBA players potentially getting the vaccine and and uh, and sharing it, and we talked about the the idea of them skipping the line in order to help society, but um, I think we didn't realize at the time that there's plenty of people in the NBA who are going to get the vaccine just because they're old enough. And yeah. Coaches, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so these coaches and executives who are in that age range, uh, Jerry West is another one that comes to mind, um, mm-hmm. older gentleman with a lot of visibility. I think that it can have a positive impact. I think uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar also got the vaccine this week, and he uh, posted the video of himself getting it and, and did advocate for other people to trust the vaccine and to get the vaccine. I think it is going to have some impact uh, for some of these people who are on the fence, but they trust the celebrity and, and the leadership, not not just the fact that these guys are famous, but Greg Popovich and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right, are known to be very great leaders, right? Right. Well, listen to them. They're smart people. And, um, and I think that them being open and honest and, right. and showing, you know, how they feel about it is going to sway some people who are on the fence. Right. And I, like you said, I, I think that the fact that so many people know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Greg Popovich has had so much success. And like you said, he's had a, a really good reputation of leading his players and leading the franchise for over a decade at this point. And he's very outspoken with social justice and a lot of different issues. I think it does help that, like you said, he got it and he made it a point to show that he got it. He didn't just say, I got it. He actually, I believe there was a video or um, a photo of him, like, you know, with the actual needle in his arm. So it's it's definitely needed that we get as many, like you said, influential and powerful people on board 
to try to get us out of this and steer this this out of this uh, steer America out of this kind of mayhem that we're in because there's so much misinformation and uh, just false narratives uh, floating around associated with not only the virus, but we're wearing masks and so on and so forth. So like you said, I think it's very important that they get it. And uh, once the players are available to get it, I think it's important that they advocate to it. I'm sorry, advocate for it as well, because if you listen to all the experts, there's only two ways out of this. It's vaccines and masks. So uh, unfortunately, we don't all have access to the vaccine right now. So we just got to wear our masks, be socially distant and um, be very conscious of what we do and how we do it. Until that time, you know, when you can get the vaccine, you got to get it done. Yeah. Here's a fun fact for you, those two gentlemen. Um, I didn't realize this before, but they're very close in age. Greg Popovich is 72 years old and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is 73. Um, They've been around for a long time. It's a lot of basketball between the two of them. I had no idea. Yeah, you would think that Kareem is much older, but like you said, uh, since Pop has been around the game and he's still very involved in in the form of coaching, uh, that makes sense. That's interesting. But on that same note, uh, the Miami Heat, they've been kind of decimated by COVID this year in terms of their roster. Uh, Jimmy Butler's out. What do you think about, you know, how the NBA is kind of just plowing along as much as they can, kind of like in the same footsteps as the NFL by saying, you know, we're going to do as much as we can to keep this thing on on track and not have any pauses. But like you said, a player of Jimmy's caliber has really hurt that team because him not playing, um, you know, it it affects their ability to win games in the regular season, which will ultimately affect their seeding once they get to the playoffs. Yeah. So there's a fine line. just to relate, we talk about like middling teams, like not lottery teams, right? So you're not getting the best draft picks or even a chance at the number one pick, but you're not really a good playoff team. So you you um, get in that whole 7-8 seed every year. Mm-hmm. So you're always out in the first round. Uh, Miami Heat have an interesting dynamic going where they have several players out due to contact tracing or actually having tested positive for the virus, but not so many players that they have to postpone their games, like Boston had and uh, Washington had. And so they have strung together a string of losses. I think they lost five games in a row in eight of the last 11. That's tough for them. And uh, And they lost tonight to the the Clippers, who also had people – they had, I believe, two of their stars out in the form of Kawhi Leonard and – Oh man, and uh, playoff P. Yeah, Paul George. Yeah, so they were both out with the Lakers. The Lakers, sorry, the Clippers still beat the Heat tonight in Miami, one hundred nine to one hundred five. So, like you said, they've really been hit hard. They're six and five. I'm sorry, they're four and five at home, and they're six and twelve overall. So uh, they, they, like you said, they're struggling early on in the season uh, in the form of COVID and just you know just the NBA as as it is because. The flip side of that will be, you know, the Clippers are 14 and five. So they're literally the other side of the coin in terms of uh, their fortune and, and how well they're playing. And they were over to, they were able to overcome uh, some of the contact tracing issues. So it, like you said, it's going to be very uh, telling to see how teams kind of deal with this and how they push through and how they maintain bodies in a level of competition. Because there's a there's a lot of expectations for the Heat now, considering that they made it to the finals in the bubble. So. Uh, you know, six and twelve as well under their expectations at this point in the season. Yeah, they're they're not flying other un, under other teams' radar, right? So when uh, teams go up against them, 
they're measuring themselves. They think these are the Eastern Conference champions. We're going to play hard, and the, and the Heat aren't at full strength, and they're taking those losses. Uh, there's six games under 500, and uh, that's going to be a lot of ground to try to make up later in the season. Uh, each game weighs a little bit more because there are 10 fewer games this season, assume we, assuming we even get to 72 games. Right. Because we haven't seen what they're going to do with the second half of the season at this point. So, like you said, it's going to be very interesting. So, but yeah, I mean, I think that'll pretty much wrap us up for this episode. Jay, I know you like to do kind of a round table around the league in terms of what you've been seeing, in terms of uh, records or anything that might be popping out. Do you want to do that tonight or you want to just uh, wrap it up? Because there wasn't a lot on the docket tonight. There was only four games. So it's kind of a slow, um, a slow Thursday for NBA standards. Yeah, so I got some information for you. Uh, so the, the Lakers, they lost two games in a row, and the West is so close that they've fallen from first place to fourth place. But they're still <laughs> only a game behind Utah, half a game behind the Clippers, and so they'll be fine. Uh, another interesting thing uh, is that Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook have been playing great in terms of their output. When they play together, they're one and nine. That's nine losses and one win, which – Russell Westbrook averaging just about a triple-double with 20 points a game, and Bradley Beal averaging close to 35 points a game. Uh, there's something really strange going on about that team, right, part of it being that they don't play any defense. Um, but the dynamics are just not there, and they've had absences and sickness and stuff. But uh, keep an eye on uh, the Washington Wizards because something has got to give with uh, Bradley Beal playing as well as he is and the team just not having any good things to show for it. Yeah, he, him, like you said, having 40-point nights and just coming up with losses, it's kind of a head-scratcher, but at the same time, um, it just kind of goes to the state of the league right now. It's just a very weird spot for a player to have that type of success but have so many um, L's to show for. So something's got to give. And, I mean, they have talent. Russell Westbrook obviously has been out. Uh, he's been pretty banged up with some lingering injuries. And they have some pretty decent young talent on their roster, but – for one reason or another, they just can't seem to turn into victory. So, like you said, something has got to give in terms of uh, the Washington Wizards. But I don't think they're going to look to move Bill. I wouldn't because he's still in the contract and he's he's definitely your best player at this point. They just got to figure out how to um, kind of utilize those those big outputs from him on offense and maybe get more stops and just play together uh, more on defense because they're getting what they need on offense from him, but. It's just not turning into victories, and that's what it's out. That's what it's about. At the end of the day, yeah, it's hard to say that you have an all star averaging thirty five, five and five, and then another all star averaging eighteen, ten and ten, and you guys cannot win a game together. Yeah, um, exactly. Scott Brooks, if they keep the team together in the way that they are and they don't turn things around, I don't see Scott Brooks making it through the end of the season. Yeah, that's tough, and you never want to see a coach, you know, um, get canned. Or, but it's. He's definitely had some some leeway there in Washington. Um, like you said, he, he's made a big trade for two stars. So hopefully he can pull it together and they can utilize some of those, uh, you know, some of these big outputs from Bradley Beal. Because you never want to see a player in his prime, uh, you know, and that talent just go to waste. Right. And Bradley Beal, what is he, 27? He's right in the middle of his prime. Yeah. Right? Or maybe in the beginning of it, the way players are playing, you know, into their upper 30s these, these days. Right, right. But um, that, that's just an interesting uh, dynamic. Uh, the league is starting to shake out now. We're about a, a quarter of the way into the season uh, with 20 games under our belts for some teams. 
And you're starting to see, you know, who's going to be there. Uh, Golden State is hovering right around the eighth playoff spot. And you see in the Eastern Conference here that it's a little bit more competitive maybe than we thought it might be. Um, although I do believe that I had uh, Miami in the bottom half of the uh, league. I did not realize or expect them to have as much trouble as they have been having. Yeah, I think they'll pull it together. They'll turn it around once they get all their bodies back together. But the thing is, it's not like a, it's not like a, okay, we're healthy. Like this, the COVID thing can pop up at any time because it's so unpredictable. You can have, you can be in COVID protocol two and three times in the year. I mean, and not even have any true like traditional injuries that we've you know we've seen. So it's just so unpredictable. You just as a coach, you just go home and you hope you have everybody accessible the next day because uh, it's it's just so um, it's so hard to navigate and so hard to coach. It's kind of like you just got to take it on the fly and do as best as you can and um, be fluid and adapt day in and day yeah. out. I wonder now if uh, because Miami has had some positive tests, I wonder if that's going to play into their favor later in the season if they're healthy when other teams are now going through their COVID issues. The right. Lakers haven't had a single player out due to COVID, right? Right, They had right. one player in safety protocol in uh, Caruso, but um, not any real threat or risk of uh, actual infection. And um, you hope that everyone stays healthy, but the numbers say that sooner or later, if they continue to travel around the country like this, um, every team is probably going to get hit with the bug sometime. Yeah, exactly. Well, like you said, we'll just keep our eye on it and um, keep updating everybody on it because, like you said, it's definitely fluid. And and then you wonder, like, if somebody's had it earlier in the year uh, and they've been around somebody who had it, do they have to sit out again? Like, how does that work? We don't we don't know about the second, like you said, the second half of it. So, all right, well, that'll do it for us with J&J Radio. Again, I'm Jonathan Harper. That's my boy, Jason Givens. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast, J&J Radio, on all your major platforms. Tell all your friends and family or anybody else uh, that's a sports fanatic, specifically basketball, where, we, where you can find us. Uh, we look forward to producing more amazing content. Now they're out the bubble, but we're still in our basketball bubble. So, again, Jonathan Harper and Jason Givens here. Uh, your co-pilots. Thanks again, everybody. Good night. Good night.